Our, uh, our reading today comes from 1 Peter 5, 1 to 5. And I lucked out today, no big passages or hard to pronounce names. 1 Peter 5. So, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the message that you've been preparing in the, the hearts and minds of, of Leighton this morning for us, Lord. I pray that you would soften our hearts to, to receive what you have for us as a church and as individuals, Lord. I thank you that you have given us men like Leighton to, to, to bring your word and to serve us in, in the ways that he does, Lord. So give us ears to hear and, and open our hearts to what you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. I have a picture. You've seen this picture. Uh, this is Caesarea Philippi. It's kind of faded. That's our lighting. Um, this is a place of idol worship. For hundreds of years before Jesus, hundreds of years after, um, this was a key place in Israel uh, for pagan idol worship, sacrifice, and debauchery. And if it feels like we have been here before, this is not deja vu. I misspoke last time I was up here, uh, not egregiously, but significantly enough that uh, your elders corrected me so that my teaching could be as accurate to the Bible as possible. I said this is known as the Hellmouth, a little cave there, uh, when in fact a better translation is the mouth of Hades. And you should know um, that your elders are vigilant to doctrine, praising God when it's biblical and addressing false teaching and heresy when it's not. So Jesus takes his disciples here and he says, upon this place of debauchery, upon this rock, I will build my church. And he shows his disciples his intent and his capability in that. And he says, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. As, as early as the King James Version uh, made things English, uh, we've said the gates of hell will not prevail. But it is a mis misreading, and most of your Bibles will actually have a little correction at the, at the bottom that says Hades. And the difference being, hell is a place after judgment. It is a place of condemnation to come. 
Hades is the Greek word for death, the dead, the underworld. So you can see that there is actually a fundamental difference with what's going on, because what Jesus is saying is, I will build my church, and death, the gates of death, will not prevail. He's talking about resurrection here. He's not talking about war. He's not talking about hell. He's talking about him coming and bursting the gates of death for those that follow him. And isn't that a beautiful thing? Back to Peter's letter then. The purpose of his letter in general is a reminder of hope for the persecuted peoples of Asia Minor. And you and I gain encouragement and joy ourselves as Peter exhorts us in what the Christian stands for and stands on and where our hope lies. If we are living for Christ, we aren't focused on this world, at least not in the way that those without a faith are. We are focused, sorry, (laughs) we aren't focused on our fears, our hardships, or even our persecutions because we are planted firmly in the living hope of Christ, and that cannot be touched. It is a hope bigger than things returning to normal. It is a hope bigger than our freedoms and our rights. It's a hope bigger than success and an easy life. And it's a hope bigger than you and I being well-liked because we quietly abide sin and injustice. No, the hope of Christ is radical. It is utterly different from the world's. 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4, he says, We have a living hope that won't fade or diminish or crumble or get lost. It is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven. And that's the hope that informs our everyday here and now as Christians. That hope gives us exceeding joy and cause for holiness and humility. Today we are picking up in 1 Peter chapter 5, and Peter is about to talk directly to the leaders of the churches, the elders. And I have been very excited to preach this passage because it lends perfectly to a discussion of why a truly biblical church looks different from all the other flavors of church out there. I hope it's obvious that a biblical church would be one to hold to the Bible as standard and its singular gospel as truth. But by God's grace, it's biblical leadership that keeps watch. It's biblical leadership that stands guard, disciplines selfish behavior, and pursues doctrinal truth. Now, this is not a motivational speech, So you won't hear four points on what makes a great leader today. Instead, we will look at the challenges and qualifications of what biblical church elders look like and what it actually means for those who are not called to lead. 1 Peter 5, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you, As a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, 
as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. At the beginning of Peter's letter, chapter 1, he says, I am Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But here, the opening of his final chapter, he doesn't hang on to his apostleship in a do-as-I-say maneuver. Instead, Peter calls himself an elder, accountable to Christ, just like all those who are leading the little flocks throughout Asia Minor. In fact, he says fellow elder, both to indicate the humility that he has in his role as elder and his identification with those who would receive the letter. Jesus tells his disciples that the leaders of this world will dominate their subjects. But the leaders of Christian communities should be different. They are to be servants. Matthew 20, 25 to 28 says, But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to serve, but sorry, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, becomes one of the main leaders of the church in Jerusalem. But still, he only refers to himself as a fellow elder, one of many who care for the flock. Because of Christ's great work in his heart, Peter speaks from humility and not from status or authority. On top of this, Peter calls himself a witness of the sufferings of Christ. I exhort you, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now, Peter was not actually witness to Christ.